Welcome to episode 53 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary! Episode 1, Season 2! It's crazy! I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, Listen... We just had Christmas. Yes. We're approaching the new year. Yes. Uh, how was your Christmas? It was pretty good. Yeah. It mine was too. quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see a lot of my family, which I was excited oh. about. We've all been doing our very two-week quarantine nonsense. Yes. And then my sister, who lives in North Carolina, went to uh, came down to like surprise. Well, oh. we knew she was coming, but like surprised our, the, all the kids. Oh, that's and exciting. And so, yeah, she pulled up to my brother's house, and the kids were oh. fucking out of their minds, so excited. That's so Because nice. they're like the older cousins, right? Yes. And so they were so excited to see these older cousins. So that was amazing. My sister, who was on the podcast, yes. and that was awesome. And then uh, let's see what else. There was something else I wanted to talk about. Okay, a couple of things. First, Adam Sabin is a new Patreon. And I Adam. wanted to say, I already sent him a message to say thank you, but Aww. he's he's really enjoying the podcast. So Adam, thank you so much for yes. your, your support. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and then also, so what we know is going to happen until January oh, is going God. to be Trump pardoning, pardoning every and pardoning person. And pardoning I mean, and Roger pardoning. Stone, our Florida favorite, he lives in Fort Lauderdale. Like this guy was such a piece of shit throughout yes. the last four years and he's getting a pardon. But two people, who we have covered on the podcast are getting pardons. First of all, Charles Kushner. Yes. Who, um, Papa Kush. And she was Papa Kush. And then Duncan Hunter. Yes. Who you covered in episode 45, I think it was. And he was supposed, he got, you know, sentenced and everything. He was supposed to start serving his 11 month sentence in January. Yes. And he just got a fucking pardon. I know. And he, and that got extended anyway because of COVID. He was supposed to go earlier. Yes. And they were like, well, we'll wait till January to have you go. (laughs) So he gets off scot-free. As we know with Rod Blagojevich, when we talked about that, Trump had pardoned him, whatever, like last year or something. And he got out of prison early. You have to, you have to appeal to the president, which means Duncan Hunter did that. Yeah. And isn't it fucking awful that the president He's is like, pardoning somebody who's la, also la, la. his his son-in-law's father? Like, isn't that oh, a conflict in some point? In some point, what is what he also? Wanted, but he wants to do those preliminary pardons too. Yeah. So, you think there's more coming that are going to be? I don't know worse. if he could do the preliminary ones. Like, remember he said he wanted to do like preliminary pardons oh, for before, his family. Yeah, in, in, which in, basically means like, okay, charges. they're guilty. Yes. Like you're admitting that they're all guilty. Yes. I, I just want to see, um, I just want his daughter so desperate with that campaign mm. fraud, with that money, with the shuffling yes. around. Yes. But I saw that uh, Cuomo in New York mm-hmm. passed some law put something down saying that uh the pardons yeah don't ex- like new york can still well, put charges despite those pardons that would be nice oh. because, but here's the deal yo her and and baby kush bought property in miami like land oh, yeah because she's gonna cause run gonna, she's gonna be running for office yeah so p.s i've heard that it's gonna be against rubio yes i heard that too which she could win that she could with trump's influence here and him like just I completely shitting on rubio constantly which God. i enjoy I enjoy the shitting on Rubio. Yes. We Liter- better. Like figured it, like literally listen, figured it, like a shit, shit on him. The <laughs> Throw Florida, shit at him. The Florida yeah. Democratic Party better have it Honey. together. Oh. Because I need someone who's going up. Who is going P up? Because I'm going to gonna f- lose my mind. P to the S. 
I, in the last two weeks, have become obsessed with a podcast, which I am going to give them a free ass plug <laughs> called Red Tide Radio yes. it's on SoundCloud. It's like, it's a, it's, it's so fucking good. And Tomas Kennedy, and I believe his name is, oh God, fuck me. I'm not, I'm, it's, I think it's Edward Doherty. Um, I got to, I'm going to log in and figure out, I got to get on there right now and, and find it. But anyway, I'll let you know the, the co-host name. Tomas Kennedy is like deep into Florida politics. He's been in around in South Florida for a long time. He's been banned from the Capitol, I think, in 2019 yes. for like giving them all kinds of shit. Why don't all the we time. Ta- Why don't we talk to him about that? We should definitely. We I'm telling you, we should have them on because it's so. They are so good. And here's the thing that I love the most about it is that they don't give a fuck. Oh, Gerald. I'm sorry, Gerald Doherty. Mm-hmm. They don't give a fuck about you know. Saying what it is, yes. saying exactly what's wrong with the party, and so they start with like Dwight Bullard, who was a former state uh, rep, oh, I think, and uh, he runs a uh, New Florida Majority, yes. I believe. God, please forgive me. Yes. These are like no, amazing. you're right. Okay, you're right. You're right. they're amazing people who they have on the podcast. I think there's like eight or nine episodes yeah. out right now. They talk to people who've won. They talk to people who have lost. They talk to party insiders. It is a remarkable peek behind this curtain of the Florida Democratic Party Ugh. and all of the shit that has happened. And they talk about like what's happening now. They're going to have a new chair running. And like it is incredible. And because of where the circles that we run in, we all talk about this stuff, yes. but nobody actually has the balls to say it out loud in a way I'm, like I this. I have to listen. I, you've told me about it. I haven't listened yet. I have to listen. And, and I'm going to say it. L- little Muck, Little Muck, Little Muck. Yes, bring we have guys. to get them on. And especially because there's so much to say. And, and I'm in, of the mind that if you don't start saying these things out loud, all these mistakes will happen over and over and of over course. and over again. Well, and, I mean, look at, come on. I know. We have been in, in, in. Just even the past four years have yes, been trash. But just watching what how what, Dwight's episode, which is the first episode, is so good because they get into how this all started and it was twenty years ago and how they've never recovered and the people that are in charge of like um, Senate victory and all this and how shitty they fucking are and and there's it's and Tina. What's the scariest to me is there's already people they think are going to run for governor that I'm just like mm, really <sighs> that we're going to do. That what we're doing? Like, I don't... If it's, it's, if it's so one good. of these, it's so-and-so's turn, I'm going to yes. lose and my mind. It is what that is. It is what I'm it is. I'm so tired of and it. It's not your turn. You know whose turn it is? The person who can win. Yeah. And That's also, whose turn it is. And, and also, if you can't win, then stay yes, out of the way. We I don't agree. have time in Florida well, for this. So the old, these old, like, I, I, I oh, can only God. describe them as like buzzards. And they sit at the top of these wires and they watch everything happening. And so... We have to get these people out of power in yes. the party. And so I'm hoping this happens. There's a thing called weighted vote. I know I'm getting deep oh, into it, but I can't yes. help it. But like state committee people, like there's two people who represent Broward. Yes. Of the 600,000 Democratic voters, we have two state committee people, yeah. a man and a woman, who hold so much power, like 60-something votes. So they can vote. Like if five of these counties get together, these committee people from five counties, oh, they, make a they block. can single-handedly yeah. Yeah. elect who the next chair is and they're representing hundreds of so they call that the weighted vote right. and they talk about this on the podcast how it has to go away and how the national party democratic party has said to florida party the party you can't this isn't allowed this is against everything that we we've it's told so, you to disband course, the weighted vote and we're so damn florida yeah florida and brower just select reelected their committee people who seem to stand by the weighted vote they say oh we're against it but then 
what are you going to do yeah. to, to get that away? But you're asking them to vote away their power. And right. why would people do that? So oh, anyway, it's so good. If you're interested so in Florida, good. politics, especially the party, please go listen to Red Tide Radio. I'd love to get those guys on. Ooh, it's just we're gonna refreshing do it. We're gonna to do hear it. I'm people. emailing today. How it's, about that? It'd be awesome. But it's just refreshing to hear people who have, they don't, the reason why they can be so honest is because they don't have anything to lose. There's nothing to They're stake. not running yeah. for office. Love They're not it. here for like anything else. But anyway, I just love it so much. I'm so fucking psyched about it. Ooh. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I can't wait to listen to more episodes. So are you ready? I am. Okay. Am I first? You're first. Okay. You are not ready. You're not ready for my you know, girl. You're- <laughs> <laughs> so there's two people I wanted to cover and one of them I discussed with our executive producer and he's like, you better be careful about this. Like you better be careful. So I'm going to hold off on that person and probably not for a few more episodes, but I'm definitely going to do it because I'm sorry, but I don't give a fuck about having to cover this person. Anyway. So I decided on another like juggernaut that I've been holding on to. I am going to cover former U S Senator and former presidential nominee from North Carolina, John Edwards. Oh, Yes! Oh my God! I have girls. He's on my list. So I love. Take him off. I'm doing it. Yes. And also, going back and going through all this, there is so much shit that I forgot. Oh my God! Like there's stuff that happens like after all of this, the scandal that I was just like, holy shit! I completely forgot. There's this whole other side to the scandal. It's not just the love affair. Yeah, I just remember the love affair. There's oh, there's another part that I was like, I I don't know why. Uh, And the love affair for him. I don't know, because he was such like a good boy kind Honey, of guy, yes. you know? And so yes, when this whole thing, shocking. yeah, when this whole thing yes. came out, it was like, what? And it was in the middle. He was running. He ran twice, 2004 and 2008. I forgot how close he was in 2008. We had Hillary and Barack. Yes. But I forgot that he was right fucking there. He was right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Johnny Edwards, no shit, Johnny on his birth certificate. No. Yes, honey. Johnny. That's back that's some backwoods shit yes. right there. Okay. Johnny Edwards was born June tenth, nineteen fifty three in Seneca, South Carolina. The family moved several times during Edwards' childhood, eventually settling in Robbins, North Carolina. He was a football star in high school and he was the first person in his family to attend college. His mother was a postal worker like mine. Woo woo. Okay. Oh, I love that. He attended Clemson University for one semester before graduating to North Carolina. I'm sorry, before transferring to North Carolina State University, he graduated from North Carolina State with high honors and a bachelor's degree in textile technology in 1974 and later earned his Juris Doctor from the University of North Carolina School of Law with honors. And while at University of North Carolina, he met Elizabeth Anaya. They married in 1977 and had four children, Wade, Kate, Emma Claire, and Jack. Emma Claire. Emma Claire. That's, That's a... <laughs> a little, a nice little Emma Clay. yeah. <laughs> After law school, Edwards clerked for federal judge Franklin Dupree in North Carolina, and in 1978 became an associate at the Nashville law firm Dearborn and Ewing, doing primarily trial work um, and defending like banks and corporations in Nashville. The Edwards family returned to North Carolina in 1981, settling in the capital of Raleigh, where he joined the firm Thorington Smith and Hargrove. I want to talk a little bit about his law career okay. during this time because he was he started to gain prominence like national attention oh. as this defense attorney 
and uh, for like malpractice things and things. But some of the cases were really famous. I don't know if you'd remember some of them. So in 1984, he was assigned to a medical malpractice lawsuit that had been perceived to be unwinnable. The firm had accepted it only as a favor to to an attorney and state senator who did not want to keep it. So nevertheless, Edwards won a $3.7 million victory on behalf of his client who had suffered permanent brain and nerve damage after a doctor prescribed an overdose of the anti-alcoholism drug anti-abuse during alcohol aversion therapy. Oh, God. Yeah. So in 1985, Edwards represented a five-year-old child born with cerebral palsy, um, a child whose mother's doctor did not choose to perform an immediate cesarean delivery when a fetal monitor showed that she was in distress. Oh, no. So the doctor should have acted quicker, yes. and he didn't. Edwards won a $6.5 million victory for his client, but five weeks later, the presiding judge sustained the verdict, but overturned the award on grounds that it was excessive, the, the $6.5 million, mm. and that it appeared to have been given under the influence of passion and prejudice. That was, uh, I'm sorry, that was passion and prejudice, adding that in his opinion, the evidence was insufficient to support the verdict. He offered the plaintiffs $3.25 million, half of the jury's award, but the child's family appealed the case and received $4.25 million in the settlement. Okay. Dang. So winning the, this case established the North Carolina president of physician and hospital liability for failing to determine if the patient understood the risks of a particular procedure, right? Uh, so the doctor should have said to her, yes. listen, the monitor is saying this. I really should do a C-section. Uh, and talk cesarean. to them so that they have an yeah. option. In the, but he in didn't, the, you know, so yeah. he, so maybe giving her the option of making that choice and not taking all of those decisions on his own as the doctor, right? right? So that's pretty amazing that he was a part of yes. this trial that did this. After the trial, um, Edwards, gained, Edwards gained national attention as a plaintiff's lawyer. He filed at least 20 similar lawsuits in the fo- years following and achieved verdicts and settlements of more than $60 million wow. for his clients. So a lot, but a lot of medical malpractice yes. suits. Yes. Similar lawsuits followed across the country. So he was really setting this precedent of like, this is something for yeah, patients' and I rights, I guess. too, that like prior to that, and and we've talked about this like with our own parents in that generation mm-hmm. where like they just believe the doctor yes. the doctor is sort of you know yes. can do no wrong and listen and so this idea and that a patient can like say no I I, yes. I have a right to mm-hmm. well well now yeah with now because of all the malpractice yes. suits and yes. the insurance and this and that it's oh it's so complicated it's complicated anyway all I'm saying is believe your body yeah especially if you're a woman. So when asked about an increase in cesarean deliveries nationwide, perhaps to avoid similar medical malpractice lawsuits, Edward, Edward said, quote, the question is, would you rather have cases where that happens instead of having cases where you don't intervene and a child either becomes disabled for life or dies in utero? End quote. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so in 1993, Edwards began his own firm in Raleigh with friend David Kirby. He became known as the top plaintiff's attorney <clears throat> Excuse me, in North Carolina. The biggest case of his legal career was a 1996 product liability lawsuit, Stay Right, the manufacturer of a defective pool drain cover. Okay, girl, Uh you know the story, do you? Do you know the story? I don't know. It sounds familiar. Now, I only know this, and it's weird that this just happened to us, but my son jumped in the pool and landed on the drain cover. And smashed it, broke it. Oh. Like the what's in the deep end. You know, okay. there's a drain in the yeah, deep yeah, end yeah, and there's a yeah, cover yeah, yeah. on it. Okay. Yeah. And then my husband said, Don't the kids cannot go in the pool. Do not, I'm gonna put a new cover on, but like do not let them go in. He goes, I heard a horrible story. Well, this is the story. Oh no. Okay. The case involved Valerie Lackey, a three year old girl oh, who was God. disemboweled. <gasps> By the suction power <gasps> of the pool drain pump when she sat on an open pool oh, drain no, no. 
whose protective cover had been removed by other children at the pool after the swim club had failed to install the proper cover. Okay, I know that's terrible. I'm so sorry. But, okay. Despite 12 prior suits with similar claims, Stay Right can... 12 prior suits. Oh, my God. Where people try to sue them because of this. Stay Right continued to make and sell drain covers lacking warnings. Stay Right protested... That an, an additional warning would have made no difference because the pool owners already knew the importance of keeping the cool, the cover secured. No, they don't because there's no warning yeah, on it. It's like saying you know what's happening yeah. in their mind. You can't no. predict that. In his closing arguments, Edward spoke to the jury for an hour and a half and made reference to his son, Wade, who had been killed shortly before testimony <gasps> began. Let's talk about this. So his, his son. Oh, my God. This is just I know. tragic. So Wade, uh, his son, was killed in a car accident when strong winds swept his Jeep <gasps> off a North Carolina highway in 1996. He was 17 years <gasps> old. Three weeks before his death, he was honored by First Lady Hillary Clinton at the White House as one of the 10 finalists in an essay concert. Uh, Contest sponsored by the National Endowment of the Humanities and the Voice of America for an essay he wrote on entering the voting booth with his father. Oh, my God. This is going to make me cry. Yeah. So he was driving the car? Yeah. And it was swept off the road. Oh, my God. Wade, accompanied by his parents and sister, went on to meet North Carolina Senator Jesse Helms, who later entered Wade's essay and his obituary into the congressional record. Oh, Lord. Girl. Edwards and his wife began the Wade Edwards Foundation in their son's memory. The purpose of the nonprofit organization is to, quote, reward, encourage, and inspire young people in the pursuit of excellence, end quote. Okay, so. So I wonder if this. Very this, sad. It's very sad, but did this push him into his political career, like meeting mm. these people and, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think he was just gaining that recognition, yeah. right? Yeah. And people were like, all you need is one political operative to be like, this guy might be good in front of a yeah. camera, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, um, what a horrible, oh, horrible, terrible. terrible story. I know. So, so he's uh, so fresh sad. from that. In this trial. Son, he's in this trial and he talks for an hour. Oh, yeah. God. They probably were all weeping. Oh, I would be. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> like ready to cry give, right now. give that family the money already. <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to the trial. So Mark Dayton, ed- editor of North Carolina Lawyers Weekly, what a magazine, would later call it the, quote, the most impressive legal performance I have ever seen. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the jury awarded the family $25 million, <gasps> the largest personal injury award in North Carolina Holy history. Crap. The company settled for the $25 million while the jury was deliberating additional punitive damages rather than risk losing an appeal. For their part in this case, Edwards and law partner David Kirby earned the Association of Trial Lawyers of America's National Award for Public Service. The wow. family said that they hired Edwards over other attorneys because he alone had offered to accept a smaller percentage as his fee unless the award was unexpectedly high, right? While all the other lawyers they spoke with said they required the, the full one-third fee. The size of the jury award was unprecedented, and Edwards oh. did receive the standard one-third plus expenses fee Dang. typical of contingency cases. What's one-third of $25 million? My God. I can't do math that. I can't either. Um well, it's 33%. Yeah. So like six million, like yeah. a six something million dollars. Wow. And then all the expenses, the lawyer Dang. expenses. Yeah. One case. That's it. The family was so impressed with his intelligence and commitment that they volunteered for his Senate campaign the next year. So oh. after Edwards won a large vic- verdict uh, against a trucking company whose worker had been involved in a fatal accident, the North Carolina legislature passed a law prohibiting such awards unless the company had specifically sanctioned the employee's actions. So, like, they're already changing. Yes. The, they're making laws because of him and changing laws. Yes. They're, they're going, like, how are we going to protect these yeah. corporations? Please. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
forget that. Okay, so like I mentioned, um, he runs for Senate in North Carolina, and Edwards won the U.S. Senate seat in 1998 as a Democrat running against incumbent Republican Senator Lotch Faircloth, which is such a Republican Southern name, right? Yes. Despite originally being the underdog, Edwards beat Faircloth by 51.2%, a margin of some 83,000 votes. During President Bill Clinton's 1999 impeachment trial in the Senate, Edwards was responsible for the deposition of witnesses Monica Lewinsky and fellow Democrat Vernon Jordan Jr. Mm. In his time at the Senate, Edwards co-sponsored 203 bills. Among them was uh, Lieberman's 2002 Iraq War Resolution, which he co-sponsored along with 15 other senators, but which did not go to a vote. Lieberman. Lieberman. That was uh, Gore's VP. Yeah, he would be great to do. Remember he switched parties? Mm Mm-hmm. Motherfucker. He and he was really he did something about the 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 healthcare bill, which changed it and made it made it te- bad, made yeah. it harder for I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. It it's something we gotta go I gotta look into it. Okay, so anyway. He voted for replacement rev- res- for the replacement resolution in the full Senate to authorize the use of military force against Iraq, which passed by seventy seven to twenty three on uh October tenth, two thousand two. And he stated, quote, almost no one disagrees with these basic facts, that Saddam Hussein is a tyrant and a menace, and that he has weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) And that he's doing everything in his power to get nuclear weapons, that he has supported terrorists, that he is a grave threat to the region, to vital allies like Israel, and to the United States, and that he is thwarting the will of the international community and undermining the United Nations credibility, end quote. Mm. Gulp. Uh, he defended his vote on October 10th, 2004, appearance on Meet the Press, saying, quote, I would have voted for the resolution knowing what I know today because it, because it was the right thing to do to give the president the authority to confront Saddam Hussein. I think Saddam Hussein was a very serious threat. I stand by that. And that's why John Kerry and I uh, will talk about that. Stand yeah. by our vote on the resolution, end quote. It's just the whole, I would love to look into the whole Saddam Hussein thing as yeah. well because a lot of times, you know, the U.S., Puts people in and... Yeah. You know, that would be a good double episode. Like, maybe we both cover a part of September 11th and then our reaction to it and, like, those years. And, like and what prior, followed. prior. Cause yeah. Hussein what was, was going on before that, that yes. happened. Yeah, I think that would be great. Okay, so... Um, however, he subsequently changed his mind about the war and apologized for the military authorization vote. He did vote in favor of the Patriot Act, which is another thing I'd love to cover oh, on the podcast. What? God. Even the name is fucking infuriating. Look at this episode after episode yeah. after. We're now we have just, so many ideas just, just in this one episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've got them highlighted bold so I can go back and look at them because I want to look at them. Among other positions, Edward was a gen- was generally pro-choice and supported affirmative action and the death penalty. He was the first person to introduce comprehensive anti-spyware legislation. Uh, he advocated rolling back the Bush administration's tax cuts and ending mandatory minimum sentencing for nonviolent offenders. Edwards generally supported expanding legal immigration to the United States while working with Mexico to provide better border security and stop illegal trafficking. Um, okay, so he's in office for a short amount of time, yes. two years, when he starts this exploratory committee and starts doing speaking engagements in Iowa to start running for the 2004 presidential I mean, election. Wild. So, yeah, he it's was like, a, I mean, it's a, a very still, early. Yeah, he's still kind of green as a yes. senator. Yes. And this is his first political office. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, he hasn't started off at anything smaller, hasn't right. moved his way up. Like, because no. we've talked about people who, 
you know, have this, who who have been in politics from like college onward and this and that, like, this is very different. This is someone who's just like, okay, well now I'm going to run run for for president. Yeah. Well, it's it's the, it's that confidence thing. It's either he's got that, maybe he's got BDE, who the fuck knows, but he's got that like confident Boost. Well, I mean, look at all these cases he's won, all the money that's like yeah. rolling in. I and mean, you can stand up and make arguments like that. You can really feel like you can move the room, yeah. I guess. I mean, that's probably what it was. And it depends on who you have around you. Again, if you have people around you going, oh, you should be doing that, yeah. you have a really good chance, whatever. So on October, I'm sorry, on January 2nd, 2003, Edwards began fundraising without officially campaigning by forming an exploratory committee. On September 15, 2003, Edwards fulfilled a promise he made a year earlier as a guest on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart to unofficially announce his intentions to seek the 2004 Democratic presidential Mm. nominee. The next morning, Edwards made the announcement officially from his hometown. He declined declined to run for re-election to the Senate in order to focus on the presidential run. So he's already given yes. up his seat. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's wild. I love it. I love it, though. As Edwards had been building support essentially since his election to the Senate, he led the initial campaign fundraising, amassing over $7 million during the first quarter of 2003, wow. more than half of which came from individuals associated with the legal profession, particularly Edwards' fellow trial lawyers, their families, and employees. And, mm. yeah. Well, and he also had the support of of that one family that yes. won like twenty five million dollars. Imagine them so coming out. They're talking? probably like, "Here's money," you know. Yeah, or even talking on his behalf, yes. saying that what, what a great guy he was. Edward's stump speech spoke of quote two Americas, with one composed of the wealthy and privileged, and the other of the hardworking common man, causing the media to often characterize Edwards as a populist. Edward struggled to gain substantial support, but his poll numbers began to rise steadily weeks before the Iowa caucuses. In these, he had a surprising second place finish with the support of 32% of delegates behind only John Kerry's 39% and ahead of former frontrunner Howard Dean at 18%. Oh, Remember Howard Dean? It's so wild I that, love that like, like thinking back. <laughs> And that this, all this guy did was like, yeehaw, and I, his whole career is over. It was. And we have I Donald Trump. You know what I mean? I know. Like, he must be like, what the hell? All I did was yeehaw. This guy's like talking about, you know, but raping Tina, women and shooting people. I gotta Avenue. go back and watch that shit on YouTube because he was going, and we're gonna go here, and we're gonna come here, yeah. and we're gonna go to, yeah! <laughs> 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 he nuts. Howard Dean. Oh my God. We should have known that. Oh time. my come God. On, man. How funny. It was so good. <laughs> And, but people were like shocked and it's like how do you get shocked for Howard Dean and now you have Donald Trump in the office like Honey, it just you can't even you can't compare these two things right <laughs> I mean it's like the bumper sticker after after Bush was elected and he went to war and it was shit it was a sh- fucking shit show and you would see a bumper sticker that said when Clinton when Clinton lied nobody died excusing away adultery blowjobs yes. by young 20 year old women in the fucking Oval Office with a bumper sticker are you out of your fucking minds all right anyway so one week later in the New Hampshire primary Edwards finished in fourth place behind Carrie Dean and Wesley Clark with 12%. Wesley Clark was like a military guy, I believe. During the February 3rd primaries, Edwards won the South Carolina primary, lost to Clark in Oklahoma, and lost to Kerry in the other states. Oh my uh, God. Edwards garnered the second largest number of second place finishes, again falling behind Clark. Dean withdrew from the contest, leaving Edwards the only major challenger to carry. In the wow. Wisconsin primary on February 17th, Edwards finished second to Kerry with 34% of the vote. 
He largely avoided attacking Kerry until a February 29th, 2004 debate in New York in which he characterized him as a, quote, Washington insider and mocked Kerry's plan to form a committee to examine trade agreements. I mean, what could you imagine? This was our life. It was so much simpler then. I know. Oy. In the Super Tuesday primaries on March 2nd, Kerry finished well ahead of, uh, in nine of the 10 states voting and Edwards' campaign ended. In Georgia, Edwards finished only slightly behind Kerry, but falling to a win to win a single state chose to, and then he chose to withdraw from the race. He announced his official withdrawal at a press conference in Raleigh, North Carolina on March 3rd. Okay. So he's out. Carries and John Carries the nominee and on July 6, 2004, Carry announced that Edwards would be his running mate. The decision was widely hailed in public opinion polls and by democratic leaders. So Everybody was happy. Yes. Oh, look, okay. Hey. We got the top guys. Great. Yeah. Because okay. uh, they know people like Edwards and it's yes. like, you know, yes. the, the can't, you can't lose here. Right. So um, <laughs> though many Democrats supported Edwards nominations, others criticized the selection for Edwards perceived lack of experience. Right. Like who is this? It's, fucking guy? I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. He's a heartbeat away from the fucking president. Yeah. He's got two years in Senate yes. and that's it. Okay. So obviously the Dems lost that year. George W. Bush was reelected, which was, Again, a shocker. Um, but uh, so so then his wife gets sick. Elizabeth gets cancer. So on oh, November third, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. So on November third, two thousand four, Edwards Elizabeth Edwards revealed that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. She was treated by chemotherapy and radiation therapy, and continued to work within the Democratic Party and her husband's One America Committee. So even during this, yeah, they were running. Fucking, uh, she was sick. Fucking cancer. Fuck cancer. Damn it. And you can say that because you're a survivor, yeah. bitch. Woo! Try, trying to be one. Trying. <laughs> yes. What are you talking about? Um, okay. So what do we, what happened? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, you know, damn. just like any good man we cover or woman on this podcast, this motherfucker is going to run again because uh, we have to do it because that's in my, his DNA, oh right? Oh my God. It's like just... <laughs> no, we can't. He's the only person on the planet who can do this job, Tina. And yes. he knows it, right? Well, even he probably though, feels even like, though, well, we were close and now this is, you know. Yeah. Even though what we'll get into is Ugh. during even the relaunch of a presidential campaign, he is battling some dark motherfucking shit. And he still is like, thinks he's like, tef like no one's yes. ever going to find this out. Yeah. See, this is the fine. thing. Like yeah. secrets. They're going to come out. Secrets are going to come so out. What, Especially, you know. Yes. Okay. So on December 28th, 2006, John Edwards officially, Johnny Edwards, officially announced his candidacy for president in the 2008 election from the yard of a home in New Orleans, Louisiana, that has was being rebuilt after Hurricane Katrina destroyed it. Mm. <sighs> Again, you know, that was a huge failure. Again, George W. Bush, huge failure. But like, that's where <sighs> he goes to announce this. Edwards stated that his main goals were eliminating poverty, fighting global warming, providing universal health care. OK. And withdrawing troops from Iraq. God, it's like we're it's like a, well, we, you know, tell you say the stess, the canzone, like it's the same song, you know, yeah. all, all the time. Like oh, it's yeah. that we're talking about the same issues. And here we are. Yeah. 2020. And it's still we're trying to get people to be on board with climate change. Right. And, Healthcare. How about healthcare? healthcare? You know, yeah. I mean, come on. I know. Um, national. It's crazy. I know. Well, 
it's just over and a we decade eat it ago. up and so we it's eat over it up. a decade ago like and we're still haven't done anything but you know what would be really refreshing if they say stuff like well we need to flip the house in the senate if you want me to do these things please vote for these people yes. too you know i can't do this stuff alone like yeah. i don't ever really hear that no like you give me all these promises and, and then and then four years later you're gonna run again well what happened well you guys didn't vote for these people yeah I need them give, to me help a, me. give me a break i know well that's why god georgia please i know Georgia is on everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, national polls had Edwards placing third among the Democratic field beginning in January 2007 behind Senator Hillary Clinton and Senator Barack Obama. Oh. <sighs> Take a moment of silence. <laughs> so, but again, of course, Elizabeth's cancer returns. So on, oh. on March 22nd, 2007, during the campaign, Edwards and his wife announced that her cancer had returned. She was di- diagnosed with stage four breast oh. cancer with newly discovered metastases to the bone and possibly to her lungs. Oh. They said that the cancer was, quote, no longer curable, but it was completely treatable, end quote, and that they plan to continue campaigning together with an occasional break, break when she required treatment. So... Oh my God, this woman, you know, uh, I mean, being, forget about it. Listen, Let me tell you something. Listen, we've no. helped out on like, you know, mm. not on state local level campaigns and it's so much work. Yeah. I cannot imagine that on a federal scale that the toll that it would take and the exhaustion that she must have. And she's still, you know, she's doing a fucking this. angel saint and he's, and she's doing trash. this and this guy, yeah, then, him, and then, and him. then what he does, fucking oh, piece God. of goddamn garbage, <laughs> trash women God. don't need this. No, we deserve Please. everything. He, he, you know what? He got off easy. Oh, Let's honey. Go. Let's go. I'm I so mad. I, I, I hear you. So by July, 2007, poor woman. Oh, she, forget about it. By July 2007, the Edwards campaign had raised $23 million from oh nearly 100,000 donors, placing him behind Obama and Clinton in fundraising. On Ju- January 3rd, 2008, the Iowa caucuses, the first contest of the nomination process, Edwards placed second of the vote to Obama, with Clinton coming in third. Um, on January 8th, Edwards placed a distant third in the New Hampshire Democratic primary. On January 26th, Edwards again placed third in the primary in South Carolina, his birth state, which he had carried in 2004. Yeah, and he placed, that's, that's when it's time to go. Okay. I didn't yeah. get my home state. Gotta yes. go. And then he placed third in Florida. Um, on January 30th, 2008, following his primary and caucus losses, Edwards announced that he was up, suspending his campaign for the presidency. He did not initially endorse uh, either Clinton or Obama, saying they both had pledged to carry forward with his central campaign theme of ending poverty in America. Which, well, you know, I mean, who's going to say no to yeah. that? Edwards? Well, oh, they're both going to carry my theme, yeah. and I'm going to get out of the race. Get out. Fuck. Move on. On uh, April 2008, <laughs> he stated he would not accept the 2008 vice presidential slot if asked. Oh, because yeah, right. <laughs> he knew no Don't one. Don't come no, looking for yeah. me, people. I'm not no, wanting. Yeah, no one's going to ask you. Yeah. Oh, oh God! <laughs> so <laughs> it's just so stupid. <laughs> don't give me that job. Yeah. I don't want it. Yeah. On May fourteenth, two thousand eight, Edwards officially endorsed Senator Obama at a rally in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then he stepped back from his initial outright denial of interest in the position of vice president, saying, "Quote: I take anything he asked me to think about seriously, but obviously this is something that I've done, and it's not a job I'm seeking. Whatever." Hmm. Um. So ultimately, of course, Joe Biden was of Delaware, was tapped to become Obama's running mate and as our future president. Thank God. So here we go. Oh, and this I'm going to move around a bit because things were happening while he was running and things like that. So I got dates, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So in December of 2006, around the time he announced his second run for the presidency, Newsweek reported that Rael Hunter had been hired by the Edwards campaign to produce a series of webisodes that portrayed behind-the-scenes life on the campaign trail. Hunter had pitched the idea of creating the series to Edwards when she met him at a bar in New York City where the candidate was attending a business meeting. Mm -hmm. The campaign paid Hunter's production company, Midline Groove, over $100,000 for the short documentaries that were uploaded to YouTube upon completion. A hundred grand for little YouTube videos? Yeah, but P.S., uh, 2006 YouTube is not 2020 YouTube. Yeah, no, so no. I had read something else about her saying that this was the first, she was really like the first person when they did these videos to do this like marketing campaign on YouTube. It was like the first uh, kind of push. Okay. It was kind of a big deal that she had done this or whatever. Right. So people, but it's yeah, still so a it's lot not like today where people aren't, are just like throwing, throwing videos stuff, up yeah, all day it was, long. YouTube yeah. wasn't what it was. So it was still like a, a kind of a, a unique idea. Um, And in 2006, Business Business Week included one of the episodes as a feature in a web video. The first apparent mention in print form of a possible affair Uh between Edwards and Hunter appeared in the New York Post on August 27, 2007. The page six, which is like a gossip column feature, published a blind gossip item that asked, quote, which political candidate enjoys visiting New York because he has a girlfriend who lives downtown? The poll, you know, the politician, tells her he'll marry her when his current wife is out of the picture. And quote, (gasps) Tina, oh, with my my bare hands, with my bare hands. This woman is, is dealing with cancer. Yeah. And she's following him around on a campaign trail when she should be resting and home. She's got four, three children. Oh my God. What a disgust. Okay. So the mention oh, of the post. Oh my God. Yeah. So the mention of I the mean, post. I mean, how disgusting is that? He's when disgusting. she's out of the picture. He's disgusting. This is such trash. Well. He's no balls. Like just leave. Like shit. you don't want to be with someone, leave them. Yeah. Well, he's a piece of shit with a dick that Ugh. coming out of it. That's all he is. He's a walking piece of shit with a penis. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tina's going to spit out her coffee. <laughs> the mention in the post started a tabloid and blogosphere investigation that eventually led to accusations against Hunter and Edwards. Now, Ooh. I need to remind you that, and we'll get into this a little bit, that when the National Enquirer or the New York Post is saying yes. something, mainstream media is like, oh, uh, give yeah, me whatever. a fucking break. Yeah, oh, I mean, please. they're talking about aliens yeah. and Elvis. Yeah, and so. when a candidate's like, she's making videos, what the fuck? Yeah. Nobody thinks twice about it, right? Yeah. It wasn't gossipy internet trash like we have yes. today where it's like they're in a cafe together all of a sudden they're fucking like yes. no this was like edwards was an upstanding citizen yes. he's a trial lawyer he's got a wife they have this they have she's got cancer there's yes. no fucking way this guy is doing something like this yes. like they mainstream media did not pick it up so it was really like pub you know supermarket trash magazine gossip Yes. During his entire second campaign. Like oh it was going God. on the entire time. This so was people are reading it. You know, there's yeah. someone at home going, oh my God. And yeah. everyone's like, grandma, please. Yes. That's a yes. trash magazine exactly. you're reading. Yes. So um, on October 10th, 2007, the National Enquirer published an article claiming that Edwards had engaged in an extramarital affair with an unnamed female campaign worker. On the same day, Sam Stein published an article in the Huffington Post that contained additional details about Hunter, including her name 
and the web videos that she had produced. The following day, October 11th, New York Magazine published a piece linking Hunter to the Enquirer allegations. This is it. Initially, both Edwards and Hunter denied the relationship claims. Edwards said the Enquirer story was, quote, made up, further stating, quote, I've been in love with the same woman for 30 plus years, referring to his wife. And as anybody who's been around us knows, she's an extraordinary human being, warm, loving, beautiful, sexy, and as good a person as I've ever known. She's So the story's just false, end quote. I mean, what he said about his wife is absolutely fucking true. What? But he's using oh this this wonderful, strong, yes. beautiful woman to, to deflect, like to as deflect. a shield yeah. against this bullshit. Oh my god! You piece of shit! Trash, 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 trash. Hunter's attorney issued the, a denial via Jerome Armstrong, an, a political blogger and founder of My DD, which was the blog, stating, "Quote: The innuendos and lies that have appeared on the internet and in the National Enquirer concerning John Edwards are not true, completely unfounded, and ridiculous." End oh. Quote. David Perel, the editor-in-chief at the Inquirer, which, by the way, is in our backyard over here in Palm Beach, (laughs) did not back down from the paper's allegations, stating, quote, the original story was 100% accurate, end quote. The Inquirer published a follow-up story that included a photograph of a visibly pregnant hunter (gasps) on December 19th, 2007. Oh, I forgot about this. Okay. I forgot about, no. Okay. No. The tabloid alleged that, according to an anonymous source, Hunter was claiming that Edwards was the father of her child. Oh, dang. The article also claimed that Hunter had relocated to a gated community in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, (gasps) near Andrew Young, a former official with the Edwards campaign who had claimed paternity of, of Hunter's child. Oh, my God. So now he's got this other guy involved. Yes. We're going to throw your name on the birth certificate. Yes. You, and he's going to live over here. Not on the birth oh certificate. But, but just that like, was that's the, the dad. That we yeah. have to give somebody up of who's going to say. Yes. And so they said this guy was. Right? Wow. Right. Oh, my God. So, Where is the, who's okay. the father? Where's the DNA test? Where's right, the, right. where's the Jerry right. Springer episode? <laughs> As with Hunter's <laughs> deni- uh, initial denial of the affair, Young's paternity claim had been issued to Armstrong and published on the same, that same blog through her attorney. Mickey Kaus, a f- journalist at Slate, speculated that the lack of mainstream coverage was motivated by a desire not to harm Elizabeth Edwards and was, who was still fighting cancer at the time. So they were saying that uh, the main, this guy's claiming may, the mainstream media is not picking up because of respect for the wife. I mean, that sounds nice, but I feel like the media is, no, no. like yeah. what is it? Please. You know. So, um, this poor wife. Yeah. Oh so he also said that he considered the possibility of news organizations taking a quote, wait and see attitude pending the results of the 2008 Iowa caucuses. Like why even get into this if he's not going to even, you know, if he's going to go away, like why, why blow everything yeah. up? Why not? I know. I probably like, oh, CBS is probably like, what? Are we going to go after the guy whose wife is having all, you know, yeah. I guess. Who, I guess. I mean, I, don't I know can how, see that. Yeah, but news is news. And if the yes. guy's doing it, why are we talking about it? Yeah. Like the Florida Democratic Party. Okay, so I'm obsessed. Sorry. So Edwards withdrew from the Democratic primaries, like I said earlier, on January 30th, 2008, after finishing third in New Hampshire and South Carolina. According to Perel, the Inquirer uh, editor-in-chief, he had received information stating that Edwards would be visiting Hunter and her child, because now she's given birth, oh, at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills, California, on the evening of July 21st, 2008. So now he's out of the race. He's yes. seven months out, six months out of and the race. And he's like, honey, I'm going to just go take a business trip and yeah. go fly across the country. Oh, yeah. please tell me. So there they are people dispatched, there waiting. They yes. dispatched reporters to the oh, hotel. The team of inquiry reporters <gasps> encountered Edwards on the hotel premises sometime after 2 a.m. on the morning <gasps> of July 22nd. 
A paparazzi. <sighs> According to Perel, Edwards, who was not a registered guest at the hotel, retreated from the reporters to a bathroom where he remained until being escorted from the premises by hotel security. No. He's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hide in the bathroom yes. stall. What a baby. This reminds me of what when I did baby. the story on, what's his name? Holy shit. Hart. What's his first name? Gary? Gary Hart. Yeah. Remember he, he they walked into the, the and then the reporters came yes, around the yes, back yes, of his, yes, his yes, house yes, and yes. he came out. He was waiting there and he yes. was like, what are you doing here? Same. That reminds me of that so much. Oh my God. So um, the encounter. He's hiding in the bathroom. Yeah. And probably calling the hotel saying, I need security to help me get out of here. The encounter between Edwards and the Inquirer reporters was later confirmed by a hotel guard interviewed by Fox News. Oh. Edwards spokespeople did not respond to Fox's request for comment on the incident. In articles published immediately after the hotel encounter, the Inquirer claimed to be in possession of evidence showing that Edwards had visited Hunter and mm. her child in the Hilton for several hours, including a videotape of Hunter entering the room where she allegedly met Edwards and one of Edwards leaving the same room. <sighs> However, the paper, de the paper declined a request from Fox to release photos or videotape of the incident. Whatever. Probably. I mean, what is Hunter doing now? I mean, what is... Oh. We're going to get into this. Oh, so goodness. in an interview with Radar, Perel said that Inquirer would release the photos when the time was right. Oh, they're just going to wait. They're building the suspense here. Yeah. So when Edwards was questioned at a New Orleans event on July 23rd, he stated, quote, I have no idea what you're asking about. I've responded consistently to these tabloid allegations by saying I don't respond to these lies. And you know that. And I stand by that. And oh, he should have just come clean. <laughs> he should have come clean. She says that the all that she said that this story was completely unfounded and ridiculous. So finally, on August 8th, 2008, Edwards admitted to the affair. Oh. But he denied he was the father of the child. Oh, come on. Expressing his willingness to take a paternity test. Oh, please. please <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> please. I can't please, take it. Please. His statement included, oh, quote, in 2006, I made a serious error in judgment. Oh, come on. Which is, it really, I'm a weak man. Yeah, which blah, means blah, blah. a serious error in judgment is like, oops, I should have put my turn signal on. Yes. I got in this car accident. Not my dick accidentally fell into this woman's vagina. <laughs> okay, fuck off. And conducted myself in a way that was disloyal to my family and to my core beliefs. I recognized my mistake and I told my wife that I had a liaison with another woman. And I asked for her forgiveness. A liaison. Honey. Although I was honest in every painful detail with my family. Oh, great, Dad. Oh, Thanks for telling yeah. me you're fucking this other woman. Yeah. I did not tell the public. When a supermarket tabloid told a version of the story, I used the fact that the story contained many falsities to deny it. Oh. But being 99% honest is no longer enough. Oh, folks. give me. <laughs> A break. How is it 99% honest? Oh my God. So he's going to go, well, this part wasn't true. So yeah. I can say that it was a lie. That's his lawyer. That's the lawyer coming I mean, what out. a piece of shit. So on the same day, Elizabeth Edwards released a statement and she said, John, quote, John had made a terrible mistake, though she went on to praise her husband for his courage in the face of shame. Whatever. Oh my you know, God. She's probably How had dare it with this fucking piece that, of yeah, shit. Yeah, because you know, everyone's like, well, you got to say something. And I would be like, you know what? Screw all you. Yeah. Guys. So remember then they did an interview on Nightline and they, um, she, she said in the interview that she, um, that she, she hoped people would watch. Oh, he did the interview. You can go and watch that too. And it's really fucking good too. But she was like, Oh, people go watch him like groveling. So Elizabeth also in her statement criticized the claims that her husband fathered a child as a quote, absurd lie in a tabloid publication. Oh, this poor, either she believes it or. Yeah. Not. I mean, imagine if she really believes it. Okay. Yeah. Oh he had God. this affair. Yeah. No, there's no way he had a baby with someone else. I know. Oh my god. Well that's god. like the worst case scenario, that's the right? Worst. I know. 
Her seemingly willing participation in the efforts to cover up the affair have also been called into question. So some people were like, she knew this was happening. She lied to the public too. Yeah. She was a part of it. And we all kind of felt sorry for her and never really, but maybe yeah. she knew the whole time. Okay. And he was running for office and you really should not be propping somebody up like this. Yes. He's fucking lying. That's a good point. It's a good honest. point, but I don't know. I feel like she didn't know. Because Hillary and Clinton the was the same end. way. She was the same fucking Ugh. way. Probably still is. So on August 13th, Hunter's... All these women that just... I I, they need to just be like, bye. Like, who cares about their career? <sighs> well, I would like... I would say, let it all burn down. I, I don't know. care. I would be so mad. Mm. Yeah. Like you said, you'd break the phone I over his head. Yeah, I'd break the phone <laughs> over his head. I would not... It's just... <laughs> Over. I know. Let it all um, crumble. On August 13th, Hunter's sister, Roxanne Druck Marshall, gave an interview to CBS News in which she personally apologized to Edward's wife for her sister's behavior. What? She also claimed that Edwards had lied in his confession, stating that the affair was of a longer duration than the time frame that he had claimed and was still going on. Oh, my God. Marshall also stated that in the days after the story broke, Edwards provided Hunter and her baby with a new secret domicile to prevent media no. reporters from finding her. She also called upon Edwards to tell the complete truth about the affair. The same day, an article from CBS News reported that, quote, Edwards may, may be in legal jeopardy if he, it could be sw shown that campaign funds oh, were used God. for purposes other than the ones that they had been assigned for, end quote. Okay, so Here this is go. where we get into the real, the dirt of it all, right? Yeah, I don't um, remember this with the campaign funds. I just remember the affair. I forgot about the baby. Yeah, but then once he admits it, like New York Times picks it up, like everybody yeah. then starts really talking about it. Um, so... Then, on January 21st, 2010, so two years later, yes. Edwards issued a statement admitting that he was the father oh, of Hunter's God. child. After Edwards' admission, his, his wife, Elizabeth, announced a separation from her husband oh, with an intention to file for divorce. This poor woman. Yep. When Edwards first admitted to the affair, he stated that Elizabeth was in remission from breast cancer. However, it became clear that Edwards continued the affair even after he and his wife made a joint announcement that her cancer had returned and was found to be terminal. Like, so yeah. what they're saying is like it was going on even... You know, when your wife needs you. Yeah. So that was in January of 2010, and on December 7th, 2010, so almost a year later, Elizabeth died from Ugh. cancer at age 61. I mean, this he, isn't he helping should, her, no. her situation either. No. I'm not saying that he killed her, but I'm no, saying no, like no. this no, is the stress and emotional yes. of this is enough. So oh, now it's all out. Children oh, should be if oh, oh, this God. should be so angry with this please, man. Please. So, With the disrespect, like this is how, how yes. their mother has to pass away in the middle of all of this muck, yes. right? Yes, This Right? They, because they, he they can't, can't be honest. It dragged out be, for it dragged years. Out. They can't just enjoy the last moments of her life. Can't be any no. joyful, any happiness. It's got to be mired in, and in now all of his crap. They're left with this parent. Yeah. This is uh, the parent they're left with. Okay, so because, no, so now it's all out. Shameful. And now, now they're all, they're going to start looking at what was he doing with this money? Yeah. Right. Because this sister comes out and was like, you know, he's paying for all this stuff. Like, where the fuck's that coming? That money. Right. From? OK, so we're going to look into it. So on May 24th, 2011, ABC News and The New York Times reported that the U.S. Department of Justice's public integrity section has conduct had conducted a two year investigation into whether Edwards had used more than a million dollars <gasps> in political donations to hide his affair and plan to oh pursue criminal charges for alleged violation of campaign finance laws. This is the part I forgot. Yes, about. The, the I money part. I don't remember this at all. Oh, yeah. A million dollars? A million. We've um, seen people go to jail for less. Yes. Campaign fraud. 
well, it's John, Johnny Edwards, yeah. so it was slick, slick man. So on Ju- June 3rd, 2011, Edwards was indicted by a federal grand jury in North Carolina on six felony charges, including four counts of cl- collecting illegal campaign contributions, one count of conspiracy, and one count of making false statements. After postponing the start of the trial while Edwards was treated for a heart condition in February 2012, Ugh. go fuck yourself, the judge of North Carolina scheduled of North Carolina uh, scheduled jury selection to begin on, on April 12th, 2012. Edwards trial began on April 23rd as he faced up to 30 years in prison and a $1.5 million I don't fine. remember this. At I know, all. I know, I know in a relate. Oh, by the way, I think I, I, I sh- really should know this and I'm so sorry, but I'll have to go back and look, but I believe he admitted um, under oath that the baby was his baby during depositions. I think that's oh. why he finally had to come out oh. because he had to admit it. Cause now all this other stuff yes. is coming out. Yes. I think that's what so it happened. wasn't it just wasn't like, like, I'm going to come clean. Yes. It was no, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm in this other mess. And, right. and yes. Wow. So, um, in related development on March 13, 2012, the Federal Election Commission ruled that Edwards' campaign must repay $2.1 million in matching federal funds. So they had been used, you know, they had yeah. all this money they hadn't paid back. Edwards' lawyers claimed the money was used and that the campaign did not receive all the funds to which it was entitled, but the commission rejected the arguments. On May 31, 2012, Edwards was found not guilty on count three illegal use of campaign funding which were contributions that this Rachel Mellon, this like billionaire woman had given him. Um, and the mistrials were declared on all the other counts against him <gasps> on June 13th, 2012, the justice, the justice department announced it was dropping the charges and would not attempt to retry Edwards. So it's not, wasn't Nothing. worth their time or money Nothing. to try to retry him. Yeah. This is some garbage. He should yeah. be in jail. I know. So Edwards returned to practice law uh, after the, his political Give career ended. Give me a break. <laughs> Together with attorneys David Kirby, his old buddy, and William Butrowski, he founded the law firm Edwards Kirby in Raleigh. His daughter, Kate, is the managing attorney of the San Diego office firm of, this, of the attorney of the firm. <laughs> oh, my God. So let me tell you. He should be in jail. I agree. Uh, what, wait, what about the, the girl yeah, okay. and the baby? So let me tell you something. Are they together? This, no, they're not together. But he does still see her. I've seen paparazzi pictures, like when I was looking at pictures. He visits a daughter. What is she, 12 at this point or something? She's wow. like 11 or 12. Yeah. But let me tell you something else. This would not be a story on the muck if there was not a Florida oh, twist. God. Right? So sh- this woman is so interesting. And I think you could probably, if we did a deep dive, could do a whole story about her. But it's fucking incredible. So... Riel Hunter was born in Fort Lauderdale. No. Honey. But her name was Lisa Jo Druck. Like she changed her name. Oh, wait. Lisa Jo Druck, Druck. to what? Riel Hunter? Riel Hunter. So Hunter was, she had been married before Hunter, but she changed her first name. So yeah. Hunter was her married, but she changed her name to Riel instead of Lisa Jo. Yeah. Okay. So her family moved to Ocala where her dad was this wealthy lawyer and he owned a horse farm called Eagle Nest Farm. Okay. She went to University of Tampa and then transferred to University of Florida before dropping out and moving to New York to pursue acting. So when she was 17, her dad had gotten into a little bit of trouble. And according to ABC News, Lisa Druck, you know, at the time, who's Riel, was a prize-winning equestrian, okay? And when her father was implicated in what was called the horse murders scandal. No. And this was an ugly plot to electrocute horses (gasps) for insurance money. No. Okay. No. The convicted criminal and FBI Dear informant. God. 
<laughs> so this all happened when she was 17. The convicted criminal and FBI informant Tommy the Sandman Burns oh my God. stated that James Struck, who's her dad, was involved in the 1982 insurance fraud death of Lisa's show jumper, Henry the Hawk. No. That was the name of the horse. Yeah. He killed his daughter's yeah, horse. But he was never charged. So they never had enough like evidence yes. to charge him. So when she goes to New York, right, to pursue acting, she becomes friends with Jay McNearney. McNearney. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Who's now a famous author. So there was this like these authors that were called right. the, the Brat Pack authors, like Brett Easton Ellis. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this guy's one of these authors and she's friends with him, right? So he based a character from his book called um, The Story of My, of My Life on Riel. And there was all this stuff going around, like all these characters were based on his friends in New York. So when right. you read the book, people are like, is this real? But he was like, oh, you know, I took enough out of it. Yes. So the character's name who's based on her is called Allison Poole. And this is the description of the book's plot. Ooh. Okay. This is crazy. Right. Okay. The novel is narrated in the first person from the point of view of Allison Poole, who is quote, an ostensibly jaded, cocaine-addled, sexual, ferocious 20-year-old, end quote. Allison is originally from Virginia and lives in Manhattan, where she is involved in several sexual relationships and is inspiring to become an actress. She falls in love with Bond trader and Shakespeare expert Dean, but soon they betray each other. The novel implies that the cause of Poole's party girl behavior is her father's abuse, including the killing of her prize <gasps> jumping horse. <laughs> Oh my God. What the fuck? Wow. So he writes other books and kind of uses these same characters. Yes. Also, Alison Poole shows up as a character in the Brett Easton um, Ellis novel, which, which, was the book, uh, which was the book that became the movie. Well, there's a um, bunch. There's uh, Less Than Zero. There's yeah. American Psycho. American there's Psycho. There's uh, Rules of Attraction. Alison Poole shows up in American Psycho. <laughs> and then also she, he writes another book about her later on and includes an affair with a married politician. <gasps> like he uses her real hunter's wow. life later on. She must be like, what? Yes. Let me sue you for some money. This is my yeah. life. So Does she do that? No, oh. but he uses that character in the same part of her life like this. Yes. Okay. Also, that's about her. So she's like a bit of a shady, you know, she's around the block. A little she, okay. So she, yeah, well, I mean, there. there's some things going on in her life and maybe, you know, like, yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting about her, but also wow. I wanted to say one last thing. And I, I loved during the 2004 presidential campaign when one of Bush's like campaign staffers called John Edwards, the Brett girl. Oh, Do you remember that? No. Okay, so there was these, there was these because of his looks and like his feathered hair, oh you know, it's like a feathered at the top. I forgot about there Brett. There was a, a Breck, so Breck, Breck is this like shampoo, shampoo. Yeah. and in the 1970s, I'm going to include a picture in the in our Instagram post, but the Breck girl was like this young, youthful, like rosy cheeks and their yes. hair was like this beautiful feathered and they called him the Breck girl and oh I always thought that was God. so fucking that funny. Is hilarious. It was, it's hilarious and I thought it was very funny. Well, and that's so, another t-shirt we got to have yeah. John Edwards' yeah. face with uh, like or yes. on like a shampoo bottle. Oh my god, it's so Brett funny. Girl. So that's the story of John Edwards. That is amazing. Yeah, so good. I'm so sorry. Good. I know it was a little long, but like, no, what a great story. Listen, it's season two. Yes, fish. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Well, you kind of mentioned this person already on the show today. Really? Yes. So I wanted to bring it back to Florida okay. for our first one. So today I'm going to tell you the story of Roger Stone. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, my God. 
my head just exploded. <laughs> his face is so oh my fucking God. evil. His face when he wears those super <sighs> jet black sunglasses. Such a dick. It's, ugh, he's so gross. Oh my God, this is fucking insane. Let's go. When you mentioned Roger Stone, I was like, oh my, oh my God. God. And uh, his story goes far back. It goes far back. Yeah. So, Roger Stone has worked as a political lobbyist and strategist, beginning with Nixon's presidential yes! campaign in 1972. Girl. But when the FBI raids his home in 2019, <laughs> Stone has some explaining to do. Oh, my God. I remember this. Oh, my God. All right. So our story takes place, of course, Washington. Uh, but Stone is from Fort Lauderdale. And I really Ugh. just I wanted to come back to like, South Florida for like the first yes, episode. Like all the best of us. <laughs> like all the best of us. Oh, my God. All oh, right, P.S. So, this reminds me of Medea. And I wanted oh, to just say, yes, that <laughs> um, our executive producer, Alfredo, texted us and said Medea was his spirit animal. Yes. And I thought that was so fucking funny. So, yes. Yes. Oh, I love her so much. Yeah. So, uh, as I noted, he began his political career pretty early on with that Nixon reelection campaign. And according to um, his wiki page, uh Stone dropped out of GW to work on that campaign. So he had, wow. was go, you know, going to college and he left college to, to do that work and he never finishes, but that doesn't really stop his career. And I feel like back then, like you could do that. Like today, mm. I feel like you got to have that college degree if you're going to mm. kind of move up the ranks. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So there's so much to this guy. So I'm going to just highlight, <sighs> you know, I'm hitting the highlights as usual. Um, we're not, you know, a deep diving history podcast, so uh, well, I have a ton of notes. And let me ask you, does, does, was he, he seems very asexual to me. Like there's something like, is there, oh, we're going to get he, in. Was he involved with that creepy guy? What's his name that Bert, killed himself in, or supposedly killed himself? He wasn't oh, involved Epstein? in that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see an okay. Epstein connection, okay, okay. but there is some stuff. Ugh. You'll have to Ugh. see. Which that creep climbing on top of you? Oh, God. With that disgusting. bowler hat on? Oh, no. <laughs> no, baby. Oh, my God. So we're going to start with some early muckiness. Yes. And what is referred to as his first political trick. So he he sort of is a self-proclaimed political trickster. Like he, um, that's like, like he, he, he likes that he's known for this kind of behavior in politics. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. And he's proud of that. He's so proud. So George Warren of CBS Sacramento notes that Stone's first foray as a fink occurs when Republican Pete McCloskey challenges Nixon in that reelection campaign. So Stone, what he does is he travels um, to Massachusetts and he makes a donation in McCluskey's campaign like in from the Young Socialist Alliance of Massachusetts. Oh boy! So he he travels to a different state. He makes this donation, and I want to say it was like a hundred twenty five dollar donation, right? That the Young Socialist Alliance has donated yeah. to McCluskey. And so, why is this a big deal? I mean, obviously, it's about sabotaging McCluskey's yeah, reputation. Which is giving right? him money. He supports socialism. Yes. Yeah. And what he does is he takes a copy of that receipt and he sends the receipt to a New Hampshire newspaper. That's this conservative newspaper. And the hope was that McCloskey would look like this commie yeah. and, you know, it would sort of derail his attempt to challenge Nixon and take him out of 
the running. And they only end up finding out about this because during the Watergate trials, the FBI gets access to like all of these documents during uh, through the Freedom of Information Act. And they that's how they kind of saw that he did that. So it's not like a crime, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it reveals like from a very early age, like this is what Stone is about. Like he is someone that will spend time trying to uncover things and destroy someone's reputation. Yeah. Like he's waiting yeah. in the wings for things like that. <laughs> and so McCluskey notes that, quote, Stone is a slime ball. He represents the worst of the, the American political scene. Yeah. So this is who we're dealing with yeah. here. We're not talking about running campaigns. We're not talking about, we're talking about the back deal, the back room yes. stuff that's yes, used. Yes, like it, the yeah. growth, like, like the, the guy the down in Miami who just did yes. this, who ran a third party candidate and took all these yeah, votes away just, from the Democrat. Yeah, yeah, just to, just to yeah. mess with things. And it's yeah. so gross. And, but it's been happening sort of from the beginning. And it undermines you know? the will of the people. You're, st- you're starting to use these things, these tricks to change the, what's re- what's the truth. Yes. Yeah. So along with that, around this time, according to Timothy Naftali's Washington Post article, he was also recruited to infiltrate Democratic campaigns. So uh, John Farrell of Politico expands, noting that the infiltration included spying, sowing discord and gumming up phone banks, lit drops and other campaign operations. So this is like what he like. This is what they did. Like they plant people and they would spy and try to bring information back to the Republican campaign, or they would just screw things up, mm. you know? And, and, and then think about it. Like when you have all these people phone banking and, Hey, we're going to do this. And then imagine that there's some mole that's going to be like, yeah, I'll go drop all this lit. And maybe they don't drop all the lit. Maybe they don't make the calls. They said, wow, it's, it's wild. Wow. <laughs> it's wild. So he does not play fair. And again, like we said, like this is someone like he loves that he has the reputation of someone that doesn't play fair. Like he, it's like he yeah. wears it as a, yes. as a badge, yes. you know, I, he's the self-proclaimed political trickster and he's, you know, ama- uh, you know, he thinks he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Tubin wrote this really great article in the New Yorker and he cites uh, what he, uh, Stone calls Stone's rules. Mm-hmm. Quote, attack, attack, attack. Yeah. Never defend. Admit nothing. Deny everything. Launch counterattack. This is Trump's too. These are Trump's rules. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. All right. So a couple of other tricks. I'm going to bring up the guy you covered back in episode 40, Mm. Elliot Spitzer. Yeah. So Roger Stone is the guy behind the sock story. That's right. I, yes. bring, I brought, I think I mentioned yes. him in the thing. Yeah. Yes. So just to remind <laughs> folks, when Spitzer got busted for, uh, in 2008 for seeing a sex worker, there's this story that went around that he would, you know, get down with his socks up. Yeah. And so <laughs> according to Alex Gibney of the Atlantic, Stone was being paid $20,000 by then Senate Majority Leader Joe Bruno a month to mar the governor's reputation. So, so, like, so he's like making money, like he gets paid to destroy people. Like that's like, but how, the speaker of the house was doing that. That's what this Holy article, shit. Th- this is the thing. That's it's incredible. like, like, it's like, we're going to go after people and he's getting paid. So he's going to try to find the dirt. And Stone reveals in his interview with Tubin in that New Yorker article that he met a sex worker at this club and the club was called Miami Velvet. Oh, and it I've was heard of a Miami. swingers club. Yes, I've heard of Miami. And Velvet. she told him, "Oh, I've got all these high, cl- like these high end clients. Like you know, 
sports stars, yeah. like athletes, all of this stuff. Yes. And um, she men- mentions Spitzer and, and he asked for like a description and it kind of fits. And so he's like, okay, tell me more. And he just basically gets all the deeds from her knowing I'm going to use this later yes, on. Yes, of course. It's so wild. <laughs> so the other thing that he, um, sort of a big thing that he was allegedly involved in. So the other thing with Stone is a lot of people in a lot of the articles that I read, they all say that he is an embellisher. Mm-hmm. Like he'll claim, you know, he'll say these stories like the sock story. And some people say that sock story may not even be true. That he just, he adds mm-hmm. these details to kind of like, um, amp up stories. Yeah, and it's creepy. There's and, like a creep yeah, factor and, to it. And, and he'll claim, oh, that was me when it maybe wasn't him just to like add notoriety to his <laughs> reputation. Like this is the guy he's, he's always lying. So it's kind of hard to know sometimes like what's right. really real with this guy and what's not. So one thing that he was allegedly involved in. And so I found a couple different accounts where some people said, yes, like stone was like one of the main people that push this thing forward and other people said no stone was sort of involved in it but he wasn't the spearhead but according to a gq article stone along with several other republican operatives basically squashed the florida recount mm. in the bush gore 2000 election and were part of the quote brooks brothers riot <sighs> and so that was a group of all of these you know um GOP guys that like rushed this miami office and they called it themselves the brook brothers uh, riot because they were all wearing like Brooks Brothers shirts and it just I don't know when I think about that I think of like the Brest East the Brett Easton Ellis sort yeah. of like type stories of like those yes guys with their business cards with their, with their, their yeah. uh, with their uh, straight out of the catalog um best in show you know that couple yes. with the dog you yeah. know like it just <laughs> these sort of New Englandy I don't know like yes. sweaters over their shoulders kind of folks so um we basically know what went down. We should cover this on the muck one day yeah. as well. But Gore and Bush didn't meet. Neither of them met the required 270 uh, electoral college votes. And Gore asked for a manual recount in Florida. And Stone and his crew show up in these Brooks Brothers style clothing. And that makes them look really out of place in Miami at mm-hmm. the time. And can you just imagine like these preppy assholes showing up? Well, you know, pushing, outside yes. of an office with their and, sign and pushing and just yeah. being uh, arrogant and yes. just demanding. And it's so gross. So um, it's just like these DC snobs. Touche, touche bags. Yeah. So Stone claims that he set the whole thing up. He says that he was in a Winnebago listening into Dems, had walkie talkies, directing everyone that it was like this whole operative that, that he was in charge of, but a Bush staffer, this guy Blakeman says that he was the one he was like, no, I don't remember seeing stone at all. I was the guy in the Winnebago. So there's conflicting accounts as to who was the guy orchestrating the whole thing. You know, ultimately they were successful. Um, You know, we know that the recount kind of doesn't go anywhere. And um, they basically also paint Gore as this sore loser. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they played with Gore sore, you know, mm-hmm. and they had signs and it was, you know, and eventually Gore concedes. Um, and there are other stories out there. Like there was a time that he painted a candidate as a pedophile. Jesus. And none of it was true. And again, like he's just like, he will just do whatever he can to destroy uh, the opposition. So let's get into the major incident. So um, what did he do? So his major crimes surround 
one of his best buddies, Donald J. Trump. And several sources all note that Stone has known Trump for decades, even though in 2008, Trump referred to Stone as, quote, (laughs) Roger is a stone cold loser. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) And this is uh, according to Pharrell's political article. Like, I love it. He's a stone stone cold loser. (laughs) Oh, my God. And this is the thing that just fascinates me about Trump. Like Trump insults and is just such oh. a jerk to all of his friends. And they're all like, Donald, Donald, yeah. Donald. Like they, <laughs> it, it, it's like, why are you working for this guy? It's it, it, the, 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 the need to be close oh to political God. power turns it, these, these men into like sycophants, like even, or just to stay in power. I've got to get closer to this person or just put up with his bullying yes. and they all do it's, it. It's Marco Rubio. I mean, yes. <laughs> little, getting, little Marco getting, Rubio. Little Marco got his vaccine <laughs> shot. Good for you, Marco. Oh my God. You while my parents are elderly and need the fucking vaccine, yes. you piece of shit. Yeah. Fuck he off. should, yeah, he should, he should be at the back of the line. Oh, uh, he doesn't even believe it's yeah, real. I thought, the, I thought it wasn't, I thought we could open businesses. I thought everything Ugh, was cool, it's man. So gross. So ABC News's Ali Dukakis outlines Stone's crimes um, that stem from the 2016 election. All right. So um, I got this. So there is um, this great news article from ABC News. And in there, there is the 24 page indictment. Oh, wow. And so I have that linked as well. So you can go through and read uh, everything on there. So um, I'm just kind of paraphrasing some of the things. So. Stone was involved with the whole WikiLeaks mm. um, sort of fiasco <laughs> that happened with all of the stuff with the Hillary Clinton yes, the email, the emails. and the emails. Yeah. Yes. And the DNC and all that stuff. Yeah. So he basically told the Trump campaign that there might be damaging info about Clinton's campaign out there and that it may come out. So he's sort of the go-between, right? So there's like these leaks are coming out. We know that there might be this this whole like Russian yes. in, in the indictment. Um, they refer to it as, um, I think it's like organization one, mm. you know, and, and that, that's how they refer to like this group that is releasing this information and stone is communicating with organization one and then telling the Trump campaign. So, you know, the Trump campaign isn't directly communicating. Right. So here's this guy in between that's like, Hey, I'm hearing that there's some things might be coming out. Right. What the and fuck? so he, this is, that's basically what he did. So he allegedly claimed that he was speaking with that organization that had the info and then when the House of Representatives uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence starts asking, what is your connection here? He, of course, denies wow. everything, like that he's not communicating yeah, with deny, anyone. Deny, deny. Yeah. Yes, deny, deny, deny. Um, and he lied about having records of that communication. And he even tried to convince a witness to lie as well. So there's witness tampering now. And he's lying to... Uh, the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, so the indictment basically provides its evidence from email and other witnesses. So there are these emails that, that he's written that, Jesus. that, you know, basically they're, they're not super detailed, but they're, they give enough information to suggest that he did know things that he's claiming that he didn't know or that he was contacting these How other. How does he excuse that away? It says, oh, that maybe, I don't know if that was me. Is that, I mean, is that what we're doing now? We're just denying yes. it to the point where you're like, Ugh. so as far as witness tampering there, so there's this one person, um, his name is Randy Credico and he was this radio talk show host who ends up testifying against him because Stone was talking to him about what was going on. 
at one point in the transcripts, he basically threatens this guy. He's like, I'm going to take your dog away from you. Like he has like a service dog or something like, and he's like, it's ridiculous. And he also, and I believe this is the same witness where he makes this Godfather two reference. So I had to include oh, this because of course he, so allegedly stone told him to pull a Frank Pantangeli. And so this is one of my favorite scenes in Godfather yes. two. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, Frank Pantangeli is going to testify against Michael Corleone right. and Michael Corleone shows up with the brother yeah. and the brother doesn't say anything. And then he claims then to know nothing, right? Yes. Cause that's the thing. Like you just say, you didn't know anything, say that you lied. And, um, <laughs> that in, in the scene that Frank Pantangeli is like, uh, so they said Michael Corleone did this. Michael Corleone did that. So I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And they're like, what are you talking about? We have testimony. <laughs> and so he's like, just pull a Frank Pantangeli. This is what he's telling people. So the charges what a are, movie. it's so, oh God, and that scene that poor is man. so, I know. I know. And he goes Frankie and five angels. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one count obstruction of an official proceeding, five counts giving false statements, one count witness tampering and Mueller's investigation of that possible Trump-Russian collusion. Yeah. The aftermath. He ends up getting tried in 2019. And according to Business Insider, he is sentenced to 40 months in jail. $20,000 in fines, four years probation, and 250 uh, hours of community service. But according to The Guardian, in July 2020, Trump commutes Stone's sentence. Yeah. So that means that he doesn't have to do any time. <laughs> Trump stated, quote, Roger Stone has already suffered greatly. He was treated very unfairly, as were many others in this case. Roger Stone is now a free man. So even though he didn't serve any jail time, it doesn't erase the felony crimes like okay. from his record. But as we know, in December of 2020, when Trump does the official pardon, now that erases, you know, everything. I wish. By our, our, our sweet lame duck president. I mean, he's talking about his own intelligence community is... Did uh, got a raw? They gave him a raw deal yeah. when they were doing their jobs. They were doing their jobs, and what bothers me that what I wish could happen, which I know would never happen, because that means that they're holding off on a case because of an election. But couldn't they have waited to charge Roger Stone after, after fucking yeah. the election? Because then know. he couldn't. He couldn't, or not after, like after Trump's out of office, yeah. so that he couldn't have been pardoned. Like, couldn't we wait? I know before we start charging all well, these fucking. But dicks? I know, but then. Then they're waiting for the election and they're yeah. waiting for... And then could that be seen and then, and then as they, not being fair yeah. or having the... Yeah. yeah. And if they wait until after, then they're then they're yeah. saying, oh, you, that could have changed the election. Yeah. If you know, Trump gets reelected, you could have done something just like they did with Hillary yeah. and Trump. Ugh. Fuck me. The, the, and I've talked about this. My husband and I talk about this all the time as far as these pardons mm -hmm. that Congress, because you have accepted the pardon, it means that you're accepting guilt, right? Mm. And that Congress can then call... All of these people that are being pardoned, they can call them to testify. Mm -hmm. And now they are supposed to talk. I would love to see that. I would love to say, okay, you, you were pardoned? Guess what? Well, now tell us everything. Yeah. And if they don't, then it's perjury. Right. Then they can go to jail for that or, or at least be tried for something else. And there was another article that I saw in The Atlantic by Neil Cattell, or Katyal and Joshua Geltzer that say that Stone could be retried for other charges or sort of retried in a way that avoids double jeopardy. I would love because that. the charges would be slightly different than the original ones. Yeah. And so I guess if more things come out, maybe about Trump and the collusion or other things, um, 
maybe that could happen. Now, that article was written when Trump commuted the sentence, not when Trump pardoned. So I don't know if there would be a difference with the right, pardon. You know, right, I, right, right. I, that I don't know. So some points of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is he this political uh, operative who sets out to take people down, but he's also been associated with the Proud Boys. <sighs> I feel like that says it all, but he... Um, you know, there are articles where he like kind of denies it. And then there's articles where it's clear that he has a relationship with this group and it's disgusting. Here's what um, many people know. And I have to put it in here just mm-hmm. because there might be someone out there who doesn't. But <laughs> Roger Stone loves Nixon and yeah. loves Nixon so much that he's got the face <sighs> of Nixon tattooed in the middle of his shoulder blades. And I have a picture yes. that will be on oh, our Instagram. Oh, God, please. It's, uh, so, it's like some next level stuff. Like you have this guy's face. And then also his house in Fort Lauderdale um, has like a, a glass door. And there's this huge uh, portrait of Nixon. So when you drive by, like you see Nixon's face. Also, in a lot of photos, he comes out the with victory, the two peace signs. Yeah, the victory yeah, the, pose. The, the peace signs. I have, I have a picture of him doing yeah. that, too. Like, he's nutty. Yeah. Nutty. So another thing that I found that really <laughs> highlights the type of disgusting person that yeah. Stone is and um, Paul Manaf- uh, Manafort. Mm-hmm. So in nineteen in the 1980s, Stone, along with Charles Black and Paul Manafort, found a lobbying firm. And the firm, I believe, is called, I think it's called, like, uh, Manafort's uh, Black and Stone, something like that. It's Uh their names. And they worked for Reagan. But what's interesting is, according to David Hoffman of The Hill, they not only made money from Republicans, but they also started serving shady clients, leaders from across the world. And the Center for Public Integrity called their group the Torturer's Lobby. What? Because according to Betsy Swan and Tim Mack's Daily Beast article, the torturer's lobby was made up of, quote, dictators, guerrilla groups, despots with no regard for human rights. So they were, these other groups around the world were paying them money to help them out with their particular causes. And the article notes that these are, I mean, this is like beyond reproach for me. Uh, And it's so... How is so, this not against the law? So horrible. How is it not against the law to do this? I, it's it's crazy. And the, these are people, one of the people oh that God. they they served, right, mm-hmm. or helped uh, manage state-sanctioned rape yeah. in their uh, country. The and another can, was involved yeah. in mass amputations. Jesus Christ. Right? This is who, this is where they're making their money. This is the people, you know, like, that, that anyone would hire them. That they worked on the Reagan, they worked with Bush, like that he still has this career and that people go, well, this is how you're making your money. They should be blacklisted. Yeah. yeah. They, they should be, you know, fine. You, you can make that money legally. However, right. You have, I guess, the right to serve whoever you want to serve uh, in, in terms of your corporation. But Washington Wow, dude. D.C. people should say, we're not going to work with you, Mm-mm. but they continue to work with them. So um, another thing that I thought was funny, um, and this is from uh, Gibney's uh, The Atlantic article, and this is during the Spitzer scandal, that Stone was making obscene phone calls to Spitzer's dad. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. 
Yes. What the fuck? He was like, like, it's like he hated Spitzer so much. Yeah, but like, what are you getting out of that? <laughs> no. What are you doing? What so, was he saying? Like, suck my dick? Or like, what was he, he said? He would refer to Spitzer as your phony psycho piece of shit son. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and they traced the calls back to Stone's phone. And oh! Stone's like, I, I don't know. I, 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 that's not me. <laughs> what? Like, it's like what? Bart Simpson. Yeah, why? What a fucking why? creep. It's uh, so weird. And then he has a book, of course. Oh, God. And, Again, and it's who's Sto- publishing it's, this shit? I know. Shit. And it's the Stone's Rules. It's Stone's Rules, How to Win at Politics, Business, and Style. <laughs> and, Wait. Well, because he's got all these custom-made suits. Like, I this know. Is the thing. He's like, like the he, penguin. Because there was something about... Um, That's who he looks like. It's so great because he said that his... Because he had such like a, a broad you know, chest and like a narrow waist that he could never find the right suit. So he started having suits custom made. And that's why he's got like all of these, you know, <sighs> tailor made. It's so, he's such an egomaniac. Yeah. So uh, the excerpt of the book, I feel like says everything about Stone. Part Machiavelli's The Prince, part, part Sun Tzu's The Art of War, all brought together with a highly entertaining blend of culinary and sartorial advice from the Jedi Master of Political Dark Arts. How dare you? This is the problem, right? It's, it's you know, it's sort of this, like, look at this guy, ha-ha, you know, he's this provocateur, but he's been given a platform. Yeah. And it's funny unless you're in his crosshairs, you know, and he says, he says that it's better to be infamous than not be famous at all. So for him, it's all about attention. He's a media hog. He's desperate for the spotlight and the media and publishers keep giving it to him. Right. Like the one thing that would, that would destroy him is to be ignored. Yeah. But no one ignores him. Yeah. He should be shamed out of the whole He should be shamed. He should be ignored. I mean, his work with that stupid lobby group alone should have him, you know, out of the political spotlight. Mm. And, and it's, you know, again, it's glorifying and uplifting things that we should not be glorifying. And we continue to celebrate what is bad and like, oh, wow. You know, like looking at this sort of train wreck, but that gives him power. Right. It's just, it's insane. All right. And so I wanted to save this little bit um, for last. And Stone was involved in his own scandal back in 1996. And it was reminiscent of your very first story on the muck, the Kathy and Jeff Willits scandal. So while Stone is working on Bob Dole's presidential campaign in 1996. So Bob Dole, uh, you know, was, um, it was his third attempt at the presidency and he had run. Yeah, and then he, his third attempt, I believe he runs as a Republican. And he was running against Clinton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Stone's second wife, Nadia Bertrand, puts an ad in the paper looking for swingers. And according to Alana Goodman's Washington Examiner article, the National Enquirer spills the story and reveals that they went to this place called Capital Couples, which was a DC uh, swingers club. I know. I I just got creepy vibes. So Goodman's article, though, provides an excerpt of the ad. So I have to read it. Ready? Yes. Hot former model seeks exceptional in shape muscular studs for threesomes with herself and bodybuilder husband oh god <laughs> ah! and then the ad of course includes topless photos of of stone and his wife and another ad specified no smokers or fats please oh that's nice <laughs> so gross. no fatties oh my god so it's just rich that he's looking for dirt on folks and meanwhile yeah. he's got this whole thing that he wanted to keep I'm quiet sh- and when it came out like he kind of had a 
oh. um, resigned from <laughs> Dole's campaign. No fatties so, and Nixon fans, please. Nixon oh fans my only. God. So that's the story. P.S. Uh, first of all, fantastic, <laughs> Tina. Fucking fantastic. But I would like to keep it, want to even make it more local. He was involved in the election of BSO Sheriff Scott Israel. No. He helped his campaign. And oh, he lost the first God. time he ran. And then the second, because Roger Stone helped the guy he was running against, Scott Israel was running against. And then when he ran again the second time around, Roger Stone backed Scott Israel and was involved in his campaign. So oh, there you thank go. Thank God he didn't get fucking reelected. Thank God. But I can't damn. believe he went to Roger Stone. I, mean, I don't know if Roger, if he went to him as much as Roger Stone probably came to him and was like, how can I, what can I yeah. do? Yeah. Who knows? Probably another there way to keep photos. himself out of the, out of the, you know, the spotlight. Like if he's got the sheriff on yes. his back, on his side. There, then. there are these photos of him coming out of court. I have one of them. Ugh. Um, and he's got these like, cause he's got this white, white hair yeah. and he, you know, and, and these black, like jet black. It, it he looks so ridiculous. Yeah. He's so ridiculous. He's a, he's like a character, a comic book character. Yes, and he's like in our backyard. I, I got to drive by this house. <laughs> I got to see that thing. Soon. Yes, like, you have to. We should do a report outside of his house. Oh, We're now reporting live. Thumbs <laughs> out. Oh, my goodness. He'd probably, love right. it. He'd probably come out and say hello, for Christ's sake. Oh, my God. He probably would. Could you imagine having him on the <laughs> We're here now filming yes. Lil Muck with Roger Stone. Oh, God, help me. Oh, my God. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. It's our first episode yes. of Season 2. And P.S. Season 2. When you go to our Instagram, check out our new logo Ooh. and everything. New art. Yes. Thank you, Tina. She worked very hard on all of that. So oh, my gosh. We hope you guys like it. And we will yes. see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.